0: Well, good morning, Westover, and thank you for being with us, whether in the room or online community. We're continuing a series entitled Built to Last, and we're saying that we can have a built-to-last family and a built-to-last marriage. The wall behind me, we've been building it over the last several uh, weeks in this series, and we talk about a built-to-last home. We understand it has to have good materials and good workmanship, yes, and the same with the family, You've got to have the right materials and good workmanship in a marriage and a life. And then there's these other components that come together. Other things that make it right, make it built to last. Good materials that we talked about last week. Men and women are wired different. Yes. We talked about that. Well, this week we're going to talk about remodeling. Remodeling. And sometimes sometimes the house just needs a facelift. And sometimes we need to rip out something rip rip away something that's old tired outmoded worn out and we need to install something new i want to suggest that in every one of our marriages we have to have moments when we do some remodeling in the marriage first service there was a couple here they've been married just a few weeks a few weeks Denise and I, this month we will celebrate 41 years of marriage. Yeah. And, and all through life we're, we're building and rebuilding. There have been some times she has remodeled me. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> there are times you have to go through and just say it needs to be improved. Things got old. Things got, we got caught into one way of doing it. Maybe early on as a couple and then kids come along. And then you haven't negotiated how the time is going to work it out and you feel like you're spending all your time as, as a parent and you've lost yourself in, as a couple and you have to, you have to do some remodeling. Then there comes along, the kids get older and, and sometimes wheels clash when they become teenagers and personalities and choosing sides and some stuff happens in conflicts and it seems like we're polarized and caught into that. We have to, we have to discover ourselves again as a couple during that season. And then... Then one day the kids leave and you have grandkids and and there's that empty nest moment and you have to remodel. again how are we going to have our life together now that the kids are gone? Uh, Gary Chapman uh, talks about in the Four Seasons of Marriage. He talks about there are different seasons and sometimes you're in a season. You're in a you're in a season where you need to be renewed. I, I'm going to use the phrase remodeling. You have to go in the marriage. You have to go in the relationship and you have to improve it. And you need to make it better now God's order God's order for marriage is this it's not always the way people do but God's order is this God intends that we become teammates soulmates and then roommates okay that's God's order teammates means friendship someone who says marriage is is friendship plus sex and that's not a bad definition that you have to have a solid friendship. And in that friendship relationship you have commonalities and interests and there's a chemistry and etc. And what we often do is go from friendship to roommate. We go from having a friend to, to just getting married. Now if you've done it the other way where you became roommates in order to figure out if you're going to have a friendship in it, you have done it all wrong. Let me tell you the highest rate of divorce today is among couples who have cohabitated before they got married. Don't do it. God's way is always best. But God intends that there be friendship. I'm calling that teammate. Then soulmates We bond together spiritually. God has something for us. Then into marriage. Isn't it interesting? In Mark chapter number 10, uh, Jesus is going to teach on marriage. And he's going to say for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be cleaved to his wife, and they two shall become one. We've quoted that. It goes back to the book of Genesis. But Jesus adds something. He's going to say what God has joined together, let no one pull apart. In other words, you become a soulmate. You, you need to be a soulmate before you become a roommate, before marriage. But some of us, some of us, we, we're roommates, we're married. Maybe you've come to Christ since you got married. Maybe you you thought you knew Christ and you're figuring this thing out and reconnecting with God. Maybe you were never soulmates. You just went from teammates to roommates, got married. And now you're figuring out how to become soulmates that can happen it can happen in the marriage you're at right now you don't have to leave and find something else no can i tell you god says in the marriage you're at right now you can become a soulmate how how do we become soulmates well it's going to require some remodeling and i want you to join me in the the book of first corinthians chapter Number 13, this is the love chapter. We talked about verse number 7 last week. We're going to go back to the love chapter, and we're going to apply this to marriage. We're going to apply this to our marriage relationship, and it's verse number 4 through verse number 6. The Scripture says love is patient, love is kind. It, is, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered; keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Now, the scripture in verse number uh, four through six is going to give us eight things to not do. Eight things, and I, I, I want to put this marriage—excuse me, this message—into two thoughts in marriage. First, there is in remodeling something you've got to remove. And he's going to give us eight things we've got to remove. Eight things that will be unhealthy. Eight things that we have to, we have to reach in there and we have to say, this needs to go and carry it out. We need to demo. Sometimes contractors call it rip out. You have to get rid of it. Eight things to get rid of before you install something new. And what are they? The Scripture g- gives us this list here. It does not envy. Can I tell you? Don't, don't expect your spouse to be somebody else. Don't read a romance n- novel and say, that's the way my husband ought to be. <laughs> don't look at some other lady and say, that's, a, that's the way my wife ought to be. The people you work with, going to you always see them with their teeth brushed, dressed. And they look, they're the kindest people in the world. You just don't see the other side of them. And the Scripture says we need to not envy. Here here it is. The grass is not greener on the other side. You need to stay in the marriage with the partner that you have. It does not boast and it is not proud. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not self-centered, me only, not boasting, not my knee, not demanding, not proud, not defensive. Oh, guys, can I tell you, this is tough on us. There is something in us that's built to lead. But the mistake is we can go from leading to becoming domineering. And fellas, let me just talk to us for a moment. It feels the same. Domineering feels the same as leading. The difference is look at the heart and the face of your spouse. That'll tell you whether you're domineering or leading. If her spirit is closing up, it's domineering. And God has called us to Lead, not be dominant, not boast, not be proud, not to say, I'm right all the time. It has to be my way all the time. Somebody asked the question, how many men does it take to screw in a light bulb? Somebody says, just one, why the whole world revolves around them. Guys, sometimes we can feel that. Sometimes we feel like the whole family needs to revolve around us and we can say we're right we're the breadwinner we're the this or that we can use all these cliches you know the machoism the scripture tells us here that's not the love that god wants and if you have a tendency to be that way you you need to take you need to take the wrecking bar the claw hammer and remove that and take it out that's not what god intends it goes on to say it does not dishonor others what does that mean well, we pledged ourselves to love and honor, to value. You see, uh, we, that spouse that you have is wired different, has different thoughts, different feelings, both he and she, than you. And we're to honor, we're to value them, we're to be sensitive, not insensitive. A man was going to a, a marriage seminar, and it was for men, and they were talking to men in this particular session on how they need to be sensitive and caring towards their wife. And the lecturer said, you need, you need to know things about your wife. You need to be sensitive. You need to know how she feels about things. For example, you need to know what is her favorite flower. And he asked one man, what is your wife's favorite flower? He said, I think it's Pillsbury. <laughs> wow. Well, th- th- that is an example of, of insensitivity, okay? does not dishonor others denise is different from me that doesn't mean she's wrong she's different god's wired her different and she compliments me and i compliment her and that's how god intends and one of the things we we have to learn is as uh jim daly said in his book the men are going through the study right now that if a if a if a person expects their spouse to meet all their emotional needs they will be they will be miserable they will be miserable Denise cannot meet all of my needs. Your husband can't meet all of your needs. Your wife cannot meet all your needs. In fact, we even see this in the book of Genesis that that Eve did not meet all of Adam's needs. The Bible says he was attending the garden. And, And some of his ego needs and some of his ambition needs were being met with the garden and his assignment. But God says there is a need that you have that I need to make a help me. I need to make a helper for you to meet that need in your life. There were some of his needs met in his assignment, his job, his career, and his responsibility, and with God. My spouse cannot meet all of my emotional needs, and I need to understand that, and I need to honor her. is not self-seeking and is not easily angered. If if they're uh, self-seeking, it's got to be my way. Easily angered. Does things easily upset you? If things don't go your way, does that upset you? could you fly off the handle? Does the rest of the family walk on eggshells? Is everybody afraid to mention that in front of you? Are, are, are there things whispered that you don't hear about because you might go off and you say, how come you don't trust me and bring that to me? But because we're easily angered, we sent things off. Our temperament, our temperament. Anger is poison in a relationship. Anger will cause the other person to withdraw anger will close the spirit of the other person anger brings all kinds of bad stuff in the relationship now the bible says we can get angry yes it does say that but it's moral anger we need to be we need to be angry about moral issues we need to have conviction about moral issues but for some of us anger has become a habit in the home and the scripture says it's one of the eight things you got to rip out you got to remove you got to get rid of if you want to have a health healthy marriage and then it goes on to say it keeps no records of wrong keeping score continues the war and there's some of us we have a scoreboard We, we know how many points have been scored against us how many times we've given in? How many times we've apologized? How many times we've done? How many times we've been there? How many times was, we've uh, uh, set aside our will? H- how we spent the, uh, the income tax return last year on that other person and not? And you're keeping score all the time. And it's put you in a, a one against the other. It's brought a rivalry. It's brought conflict in the home. The Scripture says it's not, it's not keeping records of wrong. There's some things we just got to walk away from and forgive. Marriage will not be 50-50. Whoever told you that got three or four diverse voices. (laughs) Marriage is a commitment. That soulmate, that soulmate quality means you're in it. And there will be seasons and moments you will give much more than your fair share. But that's what love does. And it does not keep records of wrong does not delight in evil doesn't get even does not retaliate doesn't set it up i just can't wait for the moment to deliver this zinger yeah you don't practice driving home what you're going to say i just can't wait for the next time they bring this up i've got the line i've i'm gonna i'm gonna deliver the punch don't do that That's the kind of stuff the Bible tells us that we need to go in there and we need to rip out. If you're going to remodel the marriage there's stuff you have to uh, remove. But there's also in in remodeling something you've got to install and it's found in verse number 4. Verse number 4 says love is patient love is kind. You tear out but you've got to install you've got to bring something good it's not enough to just quit doing the bad stuff you've got to put some good stuff in the relationship you you need to be kind patient and kind the scripture instructs us on that and how how do i do that pastor How how can i how can i how can i begin to install new habits and new ways and how can I create another we're, we're caught in so much conflict. He says he has no feeling for me. He, she says she has no interest. She's angry all the time. He's closed up all the time. He's withdrawn. She's become bitter and resentful. How do you do that? We're, we feel like we're just polarized in that. Now, let, me give you, let me give you quickly three words that take us along the path. Action. Thinking. Feelings action thinking feelings actions stuff we do create uh, certain thoughts good or bad actions create good or bad thinking which creates good or bad feelings that's that's how we're geared up say I, i can't change my feelings I feel so bad. I feel so upset. I feel so I, 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 I feel so hurt. I feel so, I feel so, I feel. I can't change my feelings. That's right. Feelings keep feeling feelings. It just keeps in this, in this quicksand, this minutia of feelings, but you can't change feelings. How do you change feelings? You begin to bring new action in. You begin to install kindness. Begin to bring new actions. And that changes thinking, which results in new feelings. Start doing kind things. A kind word. A kind thought. A kind touch. Using different adjectives to describe it. Sometimes just giving a a new look, putting a new atmosphere kind things. Just going out of your way. Little things. Opening doors and bringing a cup of coffee. uh, Attending to. Send a text. Send a gift. Bring a gift card. Bring some. Little things. Little kind actions we do. All of a sudden, oh, I thought he didn't care. I thought she did I thought she was upset. I thought she would never, I thought she wouldn't. But all of a sudden, I'm thinking different. You don't feel different yet, but you're thinking. You know what? I wonder if. I wonder if there is hope. I wonder if we could work it. I wonder. No, and you'll go back and you'll feel your feelings and you'll get in trends. But you just keep doing the good actions and then all of a sudden, thinking begins to change. And then all of a sudden, you know what? you know what? I feel different. I I wouldn't mind going to a movie. I wouldn't wouldn't mind spending some, I wouldn't mind uh, sharing some of my hearts. I wouldn't mind I I begin to, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to her about my feelings. Actions produce thinking and thinking produces feelings. The scripture tells us take out these eight negative things but you've got to install something in a remodel you've got to bring something new in its place what is it? kindness kindness opens the door, kindness is the key to the heart, for example uh, be at home Uh, I can can almost tell what the conversation is going to be by how Denise calls my name (laughs) if if my law, my name is given and it's held out long, jam, loud and long, jam. The best thing to do is turn the volume up on the TV and pretend you didn't hear. Okay? <laughs> oh, I don't want to go. Ah, I don't want to jam. If it's loud and long, ooh, yeah. But if we're sitting at the dinner table, we're somewhere, and, and she just real quickly says, Jim. Now, she just says, Jim. She's, she's like a l- lawyer calling me to the witness stand. Just her just word. Not Jim. Oh, I'm, I'm in defense. She, she doesn't say anything, but I, I, I feel called on the carpet. You know what I'm talking about? Just that, it's short, Jim. Jim, I, you know, I, I don't, you're waiting, ho- hoping you can leave. Jim, oh my goodness. But if all of a sudden I hear, Jimmy, yes dear, yes dear. What's on your mind? You know, I can hear that from the other side of the house no matter what. There's radar that awakens inside me. You know what I'm talking about. The Scripture says, A kind word turns away wrath. Yeah. You can change the home with kindness. You can change thinking and you can change feelings by kindness, action. Let me put it to us this way. Kindness pays it forward and pays it off. kindness pays it forward and pays it off what am i talking about in every season of the marriage be kind just bank that kindness just keep pays it forward do lots of kindness because there's going to come another season in the marriage when you're going to need to draw from that bank and that deposit and there's been lots of kindness that's been built up And if there's moments and if there's season, if there's conflict, that it just seems like kindness is not in the moment. They can draw from the kindness of the past. It pays it forward, but it also pays it off. What if you've done it wrong for the last 10 years? What if you were not soulmates and maybe you were roommates first and you've struggled to become teammates and now you're trying to figure out how to be soulmates? There's no spiritual bond. If you're in that... Kindness, kindness will pay off the hurt. Kindness begins to change the thinking of the grievances. Kindness gives the spouse permission to forgive. Kindness changes the feelings about wanting to withdraw and pull away. Kindness does that. Scripture says, and kindness, add kindness and if you will add kindness, and isn't it just so profound? Get rid of all of this stuff. But there's one thing if you will add to the marriage, it remodels everything. Kindness. So, in your marriage, in your relationship, what's the, what's the kind thing you can do? Little acts of Kindness. Little things that just make everything new. That change everything. That take jadedness and defensiveness away. What, what is it? An act of kindness. An act of kindness that will change the marriage, change the atmosphere, change how they see you, how they think about you, how they feel about you. I want to suggest it can happen. Some of us, if we're caught in conflict right now, on a stormy season, cold season of the marriage, I'm going to invite you: get rid of the negative, get rid of the destructive, get rid of the defensiveness, and start today. Kind words, a kind touch, a kind expression. Use kinder descriptions a kinder look towards him, her, expressions of it. It'll change thinking. It'll change feelings. And there's some of us that need God to rescue our marriage right now, and you're caught in the, you're caught in the, the stalemate, the deadlock. You're, 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 you're caught in conflict. You're polarized, and you feel like you're going nowhere. And I'm going to invite you all across this auditorium balcony and main floor to bow your heads and close your eyes right now just a moment and i'm asking holy spirit you will just step into hearts right now and prepare them if you're at a moment in your marriage where you've done it your way you've you've responded with defensiveness You're hurt and maybe lashed out. And you may have a reason to be hurt. If there's been been a violation in the marriage, something that's happened that's wounded the very very core and the value of that marriage, I I get that. But the Lord can heal that. The Lord can make that work in the marriage. Now, forgiveness can come. You can remodel that marriage and have the marriage you always wanted. But in order to do that, it has to be a Christ-centered marriage. And some of us are doing it our way. We're saying, this is how I was raised. This is who I am. And we've used a plethora of excuses and defensiveness. And are you ready to move past that? Are you ready to say, I'll do it God's way? And you want a Christ-centered marriage? That's putting God at the center. That's bringing forgiveness in. That's, that's bringing God's love in. That's putting away a lot of the negative. Or that's putting away a lot of the destructive and saying at this moment I am going to practice kindness and I'm going to let God feel and flood our marriage. I, I believe we can have a making great marriage if it's Christ-centered. And if that's you and you need to, you need to as a spouse, as a husband, a wife, You need to be Christ-centered. It starts with you. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you, before we go into this prayer, that you would raise your hand and say, I need need a Christ-centered marriage. I need to be a Christ-centered husband. I need to be a Christ-centered wife. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand right now. Yes. God bless you. The balcony. God bless you. Yes bless you god sees your hand it begins with you it begins with you it can start today it's a work of salvation for you to have a christ-centered marriage you have to have a christ-centered life we call that making new you put your life under the lordship of jesus you don't tell god how you're going to do it you don't negotiate with god you don't bargain with god you don't tell God, God, I'll do this, but I won't do this. God, you can, you can fix my problems, but God, you cannot have anything to do with the areas of my life that I like the way they are. It doesn't, it's not how it works. Christ-centered means in every area what Jesus wants and what Jesus says, what the Word of God teaches, becomes central, becomes foundational for us. And I'm going to invite you to be a Christ-centered person. It requires you making that commitment you making that choice you asking jesus to be the center and the focus of your heart and your life it requires repentance saying jesus forgive me jesus be my lord and savior jesus come into my heart and if you come into my heart then you can come into my marriage it starts with you so i'm going to lead you in prayer right now father There are people in this room, their marriage is fractured and hurting. Some were going to give up on it. Some felt like they were mismatched. They were not soulmates. But God, you're telling them in their marriage, they can be. That you can do a new work in their home. Their feelings can change. Their thinking can change. If they will begin to bring new actions, biblical actions. Godly actions, kindness in the home. That's not something we can do in ourselves. In ourselves, we tend to be defensive. In ourselves, we tend to be selfish, self-included God. I'm guilty of that. But Jesus, you can come in and make a difference. And I pray that you do that. I pray, God, right now for those who raised their hands, and some didn't raise their hand, but they're praying this. Jesus, make me a new person and as they bring that request in faith, as they say, Jesus, forgive me, as they say, Jesus, become my Lord, I pray, God, they will. I pray, Lord, right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will invade their life and their heart and they'll experience that making new heart so they can have a making great marriage. I pray, God, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, let them sense what you can do. You can heal, God. You can set them free from bad memories and bad experiences. They don't have to live in bitterness and unforgiveness, Lord. That's not what you purpose for them. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, lift that from them. Just lift the hurt. Lift the wounds. God, lift the defensiveness. Lift, li- li- lift the alienation from them. Lift, the, lift God, that hardness of heart from them and God draw them back to their spouse call them back into their marriage I pray this in the name of Jesus